That happened. Welcome to Red Voices on this chilly Saturday night after United smashed three goals past Arsenal in a hilariously clinical fashion at the Emirates. First away win against the big six clone Mourinho, first away win in Arsenal in three years, and whilst it came at a massive cost after a small mistake by Stampy McStamperson, what a night! You and Rich here to discuss it. Rich, how was that for you? Wow, that was probably the biggest roller coaster of a game United have played in quite a long time. Absolutely buzzing afterwards, and but they put us through it, didn't they? Oh, good grief, yes. I mean, you know, the old parlance of United not doing things the easy way, I mean... It looks like a slightly easier course was literally right in front of us for most of that game. And we looked at it and thought, nah, sod you. It's a bit like Watford, wasn't it? It was, it was the same thing. We we had such a commanding position, but we, we had to kind of make it hard for ourselves. I mean, but whereas against Watford, it was, it was 12 minutes of mild panic. This time it was essentially about 78 minutes of, of mild panic. But, <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, ultimately we got there in the end and it was a, it was a real surprise given the, the, the awful games we've seen in the last the last two or three years of, you know, away against the big teams. This this was, you know, probably one of the Premier League games of the season. We weren't conservative at all and we, we actually counter-attacked with absolute devastation. It, it kind of reminded me of um, the games against Arsenal towards the end of Fergie's time when we'd, you know, they'd have all of the ball and they 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 create chances, but we keep them out and just destroy them on the counter attack. But in the past, we had Rooney, Ronaldo, and Tevez, and this was this was Lingard, Pogba, Lukaku, and Martial, and a bit of Antonio Valencia. But we just absolutely destroyed them on the break, and it's it feels like such a weight off to have finally gone to one of the other challenges and that really turned up and. and put them to the sword on their own pitch mm. it reminded me a lot of that uh, Champions League semi-final that we had against them in 2009 I think it was just because it was at the Emirates you know they haven't been beaten at the Emirates since January in the league which is a great record and you know that's been going on for the best part of a year now so to go almost 12 months unbeaten at home is no mean feat and I guess the onus with Arsenal being some way behind us and City at the top of the table. I guess the sense was that they were going to come and attack us. But I mean, it's difficult to say that the game was over within that first 10-15 minutes. But those two goals were such a massive, massive blow. And whilst Arsenal attacked really, really well for large swathes of that game and arguably could have scored a couple more had their finishing been a bit sharper and David De Gea not had an absolute worldie, they were really struck back by those early strikes, weren't they? You know, and I guess the greatest thing you can say from our perspective in terms of those two goals, obviously they were beautifully worked, but we forced Arsenal into mistakes. And that's not something that's happened a lot so far this season. Obviously, a lot of our building has been sweeping movements forward. And on this occasion, we literally pressed so far up the pitch that we were forcing them into mistakes. So think about that first goal. That's Koscielny, I think, wasn't it, that was uh, caught out on that one particular occasion? Yeah, there was just a general sharpness about our attacking play, wasn't there? It was something we haven't really seen. Well, we saw, I guess we saw on in patches at Watford, in, particularly in the first half, but it's something that we've not done well all season. And we were pressing so high, and I, have, I think I have to say that you know Jesse Lingard playing that 10 position was one of the reasons we've been able to do that so effectively in the last couple of games. Because we could press so high and with such mm. energy, we were, we were able to put real pressure on the Arsenal back four, and they just weren't able to cope with it. And th- their defending was... It, it was very sort of old Arsenal, wasn't it? The, the sort of classic, classic Arsenal that we always we always mock. It was it was it was like um, you know Wenger's I guess kind of Wenger's team from sort of two thousand and six to nine or ten kind of played this beautiful possession football, but then we just get have, just get toasted on the on the break. 
Um, there was another three-one as well, not just the semi-finals. Another three-one in probably about two thousand and ten or two thousand and eleven, where United just went to went to the Emirates and soaked up pressure and, and beat them three-one. Just the same as that. It was just so Arsenal-y. and you know our, our front four or five players did such a good job of really pressuring and being incredibly sharp in those in the moments that they they managed to regain the ball and put and put some pressure on Arsenal. That then that that first half particularly was absolutely exceptional in that regard. That wasn't it. I mean, the build-up play as well for those goals was excellent. You know, the one thing you can say about Valencia's strike early on, you know, very well played in by Pogba. He got into a great position. You're just thinking, please, just please hit this first time. <laughs> and fair play, Valencia absolutely did everyone with that. What a great strike through the legs of Czech, which is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Great way to start the game. What was it, four minutes yeah. in? Took the crowd out of the game, knocked things back a little bit. You know, looking at how things developed on from that first goal, you know, full credit to Jesse Lingard. He essentially created that goal out of absolutely nothing. You know, that was what chasing down the staffy, a great reverse pass by Lukaku. But what about that touch from Martial to set Lingard up for a? I mean, I'm not the easiest chance in the world, but he did very well to finish it. But that touch just makes that goal. That was a that was a goal. If if City had scored that, everyone would be dribbling down themselves over it. it you know, it was, yeah, it's really beautiful, sort of intricate interplay. And as you say, Martial's little outside of his right foot ball into the path of Lingard was absolutely perfect. And it was a you know, it was a really sharp finish. He was through and he got it right in the corner. And it was just it, it was so Arsenal-y. We Their backline just didn't wake up for the first 15 minutes. By the time they had, we punished them so badly. And then the game kind of changed after we'd scored and it, it, we ended up you know, soaking up an incredible amount of pressure and just breaking occasionally ourselves. It was ridiculous, wasn't it? I mean, 14 saves this evening for De Gea, which is a joint Premier League record which is just insane. I'm struggling to think of a better one-off game that De Gea has had since he's been at the club. Such was his stature this evening. I thought it was absolutely remarkable. You know, we'll talk about, you know, you can pick out any of the many, many saves this evening and just look at how quickly he gets down and saves shots and the way he reacts to things is just remarkable. Unfortunately for Lukaku, the closest he got to a goal this evening was almost an own goal in that first half and to get down that quickly to save it was fantastic. But that double save, what was the first shot from Lacazette? And then just to stick his foot out when Sanchez was bearing down on goal for the rebound for what looked like a sure tap-in. Seemingly everyone in the ground thought that that was in, apart from one person. And he's just an it was an amazing, absolutely world-class performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. One of the things that he does so well that other keepers don't necessarily master is it's the art of actually using his feet to say he did the same at Anfield if you remember the shot which he just sort of poked out his left foot and stopped he's so spindly he's, he's like you know he's like a spider and he's just got these legs that just seem to go on forever and if he can't use his hands or if he can't get his body in the way then there'll be a leg there I mean that that, that double save particularly was absolutely absurd he's got no right to stop at least one of those shots if not both no I know I mean the, the Lukaku one is, is a fantastic reaction save but I think that double one is even better because, you, you know, you've got a, a world-class footballer who's essentially just got a finish from about four yards, four or five yards, and he's just got his foot out there so quickly. And if you watch it back in slow motion, that once he's, his foot was out there, there was no way the finish could happen because he just cut off all the angles with one giant boot. You know, anybody who, who questions whether De Gea is the best goalkeeper in the world needs to 
watch that game back because there isn't another keeper on the planet that could play on that level and that consistency and not not just make those saves but concentrate so much in a match where you're constantly under pressure I th- I th- hmm. did, was it something like 30 shots I think there were 30 shots and as you say he's made 14 saves and there was there was hardly in a moment in that game when United weren't under some degree of pressure even when we're at the other end so end to end that that you know he was always 15 seconds away from having to make a save yeah and I think you look back at that first half in particular how many missed clearances did we see you know Matic I thought had a great game but there were a couple of occasions in the penalty area where he's essentially just hit clearances directly up into the air and they've come straight back down maybe about a meter further away from where they were yeah we, we just weren't clearing the ball particularly well in that first half yeah, it definitely improved. You know, you've got to say our defence, for the most part, did a really good job. You know, Lindelof and Smalling and Rojo all did their parts tonight. Lots of great defensive headers. They were concentrating. There's definitely an argument to say that we should have conceded one penalty for sure and lots of errant challenges. But, you know, they, they stood up and were counted. You know, a lot of impressive performances at the back. But the only thing you could say about the performance itself was that whilst we went 2-0 up, that was fantastic. We then did perhaps a little bit too much sitting back. And when Arsenal did get the breakthrough, you know, it was so badly timed from our perspective, three minutes into the second half. And you're just thinking, God, there's a lot of time for them to even this up. But it'd been coming, hadn't it? Yeah, it had. If there's one negative that we can take from the game, and, and it's an ongoing negative, is that United don't keep the ball well enough when they're under pressure. And so what it meant was that Arsenal were essentially just it, just coming back in waves. It was attack, attack v defence with the odd counter-attack. You know, you're kind of shouting. There's two things really. Shouting at the, the back the back three to push up a bit because they play so deep and so close to De Gea that it just invites pressure on, on, on the whole team. And and the other is just to be a bit calmer on the ball. As you say, in the first, the first half, there was a lot of panic and was swiping at things. And there was a bit of that in the second half, but it was a bit more measured. But we've said this before for a long, long time, but the, the, seeing Smalling just wallop the ball upfield, you know, all you're going to do in that in that scenario is just bring the pressure back on yourself. They need to be a bit more calm and, and collected and try, and try and build from the back. And we made that game a lot harder than it, it could have been. And we did the same thing at Watford, you know. We just we weren't able to keep the ball well enough and we, we were sitting too far back and nearly paid for it. We don't like being pressed, though, do we? You know, you've seen that twice in the space of the last week in the sense that United are excellent when we can actually work the ball quickly and try and get a counter because we've got a lot of fast, skillful players who can get the job done. But when it comes to trying to play out through defence when teams are pressing us really high at the pitch, we struggle. You know, we, we get the yips, don't we? Yeah, it's the transition from the defence to the midfield, really, that's the, that's the problem. As you say, I mean, we've seen ad nauseum, we've seen them, but we've all seen the, the short videos on, on social media of City building back out from the keeper out of really tight areas and Napoli do the same and plenty of teams are able to play out from the back far better than we are and there just seems to be a panic I mean I, I think if if Bailly and Jones were there it would have been perhaps a little bit more measured Smalling is never going to be able to do that he's never going to be the footballer that that, that we need to build from the back in that regard it was good to see to see Lindelof have a much more assured game today and I think he is calmer on the ball I think he's that in that regard he suffered in the last in the last couple of months when his form was particularly poor and he was just panicking concentrating getting the ball away I think when he when he calms down he has seemed to have calmed a huge amount in the last couple of games when he basically did a one-on-one job on 
Sanchez today, he will start to play his natural game out from out the back as well. So yeah, I mean this that's the one big gripe that we have at the moment, and it's an ongoing thing, and we got away with it today largely thanks to to David de Gea. But we've got mm. to start. We've got to hold on to the ball better, and you know we'll come into it later. We've got the derby on Sunday, I think. Is it next Sunday or is it on the Saturday? But it's we, Sunday. It's Sunday. You know we we've got to keep the ball in that game because City will destroy us if we don't. If we if we end up facing seventy percent possession that we did today, and obviously not having Pogba, which we'll come into later, is going to make that harder. We've got to find a way to be able to give ourselves a breather as well, because it's not just it's not just in terms of attacking. It's just it's just having a break from those waves of, of, of the Arsenal attacks in the second half that must be incredibly, incredibly intense and tiring to face. But the one thing that I would say is that we conceded that goal and thinking back to the Watford game on, on Tuesday, my immediate reaction was, right, it's absolutely inevitable we're going to concede another one now because we just seemed to panic. But mm. we didn't. I mean, I appreciate De Gea saved us a great deal there, but we didn't panic and we did hold out this time and, and we held out for the remainder of the half so I think there was a lot more grit and determination and discipline in our defending in the second half than there was at Watford and even though it was you know, sort of harem scarum at times I think that we defended better when holding a lead and when a team had got back into the game than we did on, on Tuesday and I think that's probably a positive. Hmm, true but I think one thing that we also could do with playing next weekend would be an offside trap that actually works that might be a good shout <laughs> yes yeah. that was not good <laughs> Oh dear. Not only did Rocco play an offside trap that was not on, he then asked for the offside despite the flag clearly not being anywhere near and then responded to Ramsey and Lacazette being, well, bearing down on goal about, what, two, three seconds too late? Dear me. I mean, that was his major blip of the evening, wasn't it? I mean, other than that, I thought they handled themselves pretty well, but just, as I said, three minutes into the second half to have conceded, that, that was worrying. So, as you said there, the fact that United were able to then manage the rest of the half for the most part, thanks to Dave saving so well, thanks to us, you know, shoring things up to a certain extent and getting that third goal. I mean, that that was huge. That wasn't necessarily the game killer because we still spent a large chunk of that second half after Lingard got his second defending. But that was the goal that we needed for breathing space at 2-1. Things were looking hairy. But again, you know, the game plan is it's one of this i think it's the first away game that united have had against the so-called you know the, the nominal as you say big six where Mourinho's got his tactics right and united have offered a performance to match that you know it felt like everything clicked into place tonight and that was in terms of the execution classic Mourinho in a big away game he got the counter-attacking right he got a bunch of defenders playing for their lot while well, defending for their lives essentially on some on many occasions and he got a huge huge performance out of Gea, and that third goal was such a wonderful way to round off the scoring i mean anyone who doesn't think we're going to miss paul pogba on sunday afternoon is kidding themselves after his performance this evening you know the way that he absolutely destroyed kashelny on the touchline i honestly thought the chance had gone when he just took it that little bit far wide but the way that he slowed play up drew defenders towards him and then just dropped Koscielny like a bad habit and slid it across goal for Lingard was absolutely sensational. An exceptional piece of skill. We're going to miss him so, so much next weekend. But he was so great today, wasn't he? For a guy who's as tall as he is and spindly, the ball often just seems to stick to his foot. And as you say, he he regularly does that thing when he's kind of on the right-hand side of the penalty area where he'll slow the defender down and then just 
just drag it past them and get and get the cross in. As you say, there was Koscielny was on him. There were two more Arsenal defenders coming back, and you have to credit Lingard as well for actually making that making the run, taking the risk, and going, you know, getting in, bombing into the six-yard box and anticipating the cross. Lingard had had a chance a few minutes earlier where Czech had made a fantastic save and it just come off the post, and they I was sitting there thinking, you know, that was the chance, that's the one, and. Fortunately, we got we got the goal straight afterwards. As you say, Pogba was just absolutely amazing for that goal, and he put in an absolutely exceptional performance again. It's going to be hugely difficult to replace him. I can't see how he can appeal the sending off. He meant it or not, it was a very very nasty challenge and probably worthy of a red. Mm. But we're going to have to find another way to um, to get to break teams down for the next three games while he's out. And, you know, we we struggled to do that when he was out with injury. So that's 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 for another day, I think. Today, it's just nice to appreciate the, the performance and the win that we've got and in, in a manner that have achieved very often in the last three or four years. I mean, I think it's difficult to argue with the red card, really, isn't it? You know, yeah. I don't know what Hector Bellerin was doing with his leg, but it needed to be there. But I think Pogba, in his exuberance and trying to add a fourth, because United were attacking at that point, and I think the ball just basically went a little bit too far forward. He's just tried to do too much. And, you know, I don't think there was any malice in it, but it was reckless. And mm. when the red card came out and you watch the, chal- the, the challenge back again, it's basically impossible to argue with it. It's going to be a problem. You know, there's no getting around that when we come up to City. You know, we might, I'll, I'll, I know you didn't want to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I think there's a, there's a marked difference between how Mourinho is prepared to let United play with Pogba in the side and how he's prepared to let United play without Pogba in the side. What I'm hoping is that we see something akin to the Spurs game a couple of weeks back. You know, committed, we forced the issue to a certain extent in the second half and we did work really, really hard. We were good value for that 1-0 one, I would say. And then you think back to the game against Liverpool at Anfield, which was essentially backs to the wall, defending very, very deep, and trying to pick off Liverpool on the counter on the very rare occasions that we got the ball. It just didn't work. And I'm not necessarily concerned, but I'm now a little bit uneasy in terms of the way Mourinho can approach this game because we expect City to wallop West Ham tomorrow, right? There's there's just no way around it. There's no way David Moyes' West Ham is going to get anything out of City tomorrow at all. So the gap's going to be back to eight points. And if it ends up in a draw, fair enough. But I don't know if Mourinho believes that he's got the tools to beat City if Pogba isn't in the lineup. Because so far, what you've seen is that he tends to go a bit more conservative in the bigger games when Pogba isn't available. And to be fair, who could blame him? How many, how many times did you see Pogba driving through midfield with the ball, laying a pass off and creating for us? We've got no one in the team who does that at the moment with the strength and skill that he's got not anywhere near that level. And that is a huge creative source that you're taking out of the team. So I'm not necessarily sure what Mourinho does to try and combat that. The natural thing, I think, if you were going to be playing a team at home, then you'd expect to get a lot of possession is trying being matter it because he'll at least give some control. He's got a great eye for a pass and he'll help to create. But the problem is we're playing against a side who we're expecting are probably going to have more possession than us in City. So, you know, I, I don't know how that's going to work. Definitely a concern that we're not going to have Pogba, and I don't know how Mourinho is best to approach that. I guess maybe Herrera, Matic and Mata, but Lingard has got to play, surely, on Sunday after this, right? Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think it may depend on whether Fellaini's 
fit or not. Um, but again, if Lingard hadn't given him this this problem in that he's done so well at ten that it's difficult to to change things up a, a bit, I think he'd have been tempted if Fellaini was fit to play Fellaini in midfield and then have him playing a bit further forward and essentially do what he did to Ajax, which is completely bypass City's midfield, just get get it forward to the big man. But if he's not, then we, we kind of have a problem because Herrera's just so flaky if we play him. And it's, it's, you, know, you mentioned Matter, but the question is then Matter would surely have to be on the right because he's not going to play Matter and Matic in a midfield in midfield two. I wouldn't have thought. So there's lots of questions really. I mean, I suppose they're good questions in a way because Lingard's given Mourinho an option to choose that he didn't necessarily have before. I do think it's a massive, massive headache having to face City without Pog- well, having to face anyone without Pogba, but City particularly. I mean, I'm presuming if he's out for three matches, then obviously we've got the City game. But fairly fortunate in the other two are Bournemouth at home and West Brom away. So they're two games that if we approach them right, we should be able to get through them. But, but it's a real, real issue not having him against City. I mean, shout out also to Herrera for being the absolutely best person to bring on in that sort of situation because he's just going to wind everyone up. He's so good in those sort of instances and managed to get booked for his... for winding Sanchez up presumably at some stage during the second half I don't know but it was great I, I thoroughly enjoy watching Herrera and his shithousery performances in these sort of instances he's just so great to watch Dave excellent saves Lingard with some great goals a really great team performance for the most part and I guess now we sort of look forward to CSK Moscow and City Right, let's run off the end with our Twitter questions uh, Vikash Patil asks uh, loads Arsenal fan TV how do you like your popcorn? Sweet or salted? No, no. I want currently. I want all the popcorn when I go on Arsenal fan TV. I'm sure there'll be this copious, is true. Copious, copious viewing for for a whole evening. Yeah, I did have a quick look. I'm not going to lie, and it, it it felt quite measured. I guess they're getting a little bit calmer, you know. In their, uh, I mean, I mean, it, it must be pretty exhausting being an Arsenal fan these days, you know. I mean, we've been in the Europa League, Rich. We know that pain. Yeah. I saw. I watched a couple of videos afterwards, and they seem to be just. They seem to be accepting that they they played really well, but De Gea denied them, mm. ignoring the fact that they defended like idiots several times when huge pressure on United goal and just getting getting caught out on the counter attack. But yeah, they seem to be using De Gea to make themselves feel better when essentially what happened is because they're Arsenal and they're really Arsenally. That's very true. I mean. You know, we did talk about the fact that the defending was pretty sloppy for those first two goals. But if you think about the way United actually cut Arsenal open for that second one in particular, great reverse pass by Lukaku, as we said, and the touch from Martial was absolutely exquisite. It's not like they just gifted us those goals on a platter. We just cut them to bits. There we go. Uh, Mr. One Wonderful asks, uh, David De Gea is the greatest goalkeeper in the world. Agreed. We know that already. But I think he could have saved all the passengers aboard the Titanic, including Jack. Do you think there is scope for a big budget Hollywood remake? <laughs> At this point, I'd do anything for Dave. I'd agree with that. I reckon he could have got Jack on that bit of wood that Rose was floating away on. Was it Rose? I've never seen the Titanic. I'm assuming it's Rose. Whoever, whatever character uh, Kate Winslet was. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it was Rose. Yes, it was Rose. It was Rose. Great. Okay, that's good. I know things. Uh, Trent Merritt <laughs> doesn't have a question. He just says, you never let De Gea go. So important to United. Now, fair enough. Uh, speaking of that, there was a report from El Confidencial that uh, Sport Witness had a quick uh, article about, and they're mentioning that uh, last time Perez had come in for De Gea from Real Madrid, I think it was during the summer. Uh, De Gea's answer was, "I'm number one for United in Spain. Why would I leave?" 
you know, I mean, take I take a lot of those sort of reports with a pinch of salt because I think sometimes, especially with the way that Real are going at the minute, partly because the Spanish press is very quick to stick the boots in with Real Madrid when they get the opportunity. I think any chance to criticise Perez and see like to expand this idea that De Gea is simply the one that got away and then use that as a stick to beat Perez with, they'll take that opportunity. But at the same time, a nice big ego stroke for us when those stories come out. It wouldn't surprise me if there's something to it because you know, Real Madrid have had the opportunity to sign him at least twice in the last few years <clears throat> for whatever reason. They've, they've bungled it. I think for the first time he's looking at this United team and thinking, you know, we're actually becoming pretty competitive at the top. I think if we're still messing around in fifth or sixth, then that, that narrative is different. But I think he can see we're going somewhere and I think he can see that the Real Madrid are just a bit of a basket case and they haven't wanted him quite as much as he hoped they would have in the last few years. And I think there's also the issue that he just wasn't wasn't the undisputed Spain number one, and that he he perhaps felt that he needed to go back to Real to to achieve that. And now he's done it at United. There's not that immediate imperative to to move so that he can make that Spanish goalkeeper jersey his own. I mean, it's perfectly clear that he's he's by far the best goalkeeper in the world, and, and finally Spain have actually wised up to that. And it's you know that's that's his position to lose now. So it wouldn't surprise me if he if he's relatively settled now and, and didn't didn't necessarily want to push particularly hard to get to Madrid. I agree with that. Uh, at underscore Tommy A asks, if De Gea was a Baileys, what flavour would he be? A Baileys? I don't drink Baileys. I've no idea. I, I, I know of two fla- flavours of Baileys, the original and mint flavour. So to be fair, Dave is pretty mint. So I have, yeah, I mean, he, he's pretty mint. So give him that one. That works. Aha! <laughs> dip to Adica- yeah, but um, shh. <laughs> So to Adhikari asks, how long would the highlight reel be for a match like this? I mean, to be fair, you can divide the highlights of this matchup into two distinct parts, right? The first part is just us making brilliant counterattacks. And the other bit is Dave saving everything, surely. Yeah, I think you'd need about 80 minutes, wouldn't you? Maybe trim trim off throw-ins and the odd goal kick. But apart from that, just it was like a game of basketball, wasn't it? it was, it's the most basketball-esque mm-hmm. game of football I've seen in a very long time. There was absolutely no team defending going on whatsoever. It was just everybody leg it up the other end of the pitch, either lose it or score, and the other team will come back at you. Mm. It was just, I think, with hindsight, it's a game I'm really looking forward to watching back now that I know we've already won it. But at the time, it was it was very scary indeed. This is very true. Last one from Chris McGuffin. Honestly, how worried should we be about Pogba missing for the derby? And would you rather have Pogba play versus City or the Arsenal victory? Ah, screw that, but... Want to beat Arsenal? <laughs> beat Arsenal and deal with that. Deal with that next week. I mean, ultimately, if you're giving away the Arsenal win, then you're sacrificing the points that you want to win next week. If you know what I mean? All the, the overall points for that for this, these two games. So, you know, mm. we just have to. You know, people people were talking about next week and saying what we're going to do with Pogba. I think today we just need to sit here and go, yeah, we just we just completely rinsed Arsenal. Um, and, and worry about Pogba tomorrow or on Monday. The thing is, I think that Mourinho has to believe, and the team that he's got without Pogba has to believe that they can get a result against City. And if Mourinho decides to go for that draw, fair enough. But at the same time, I don't think that we could keep using the excuse that Pogba isn't available to us as a reason for not going for it in the bigger games. I think United have got to be made more than that. We can't just define ourselves by Pogba's absence, whether he's there or not, you know? Mm. And as fantastic as he is, other players have got to step up. And I think that has to be the biggest lesson that we take away from today. And I think a lot of the players around Pogba did step up today. 
if they perform to that similar level next weekend, if we're going to employ a similar tactic, then we've got a good chance of winning. But, you know, we've, we've got to be consistent. You know, other players have got to really share the load and we've got to have a bit more creativity from the middle without Pogba. We have really got to work hard for it because City are not going to gift us a victory. You know, it's, what is it? 14 games they played so far this season as of this Saturday night and they're most likely going to win their 14th of 15 games uh, tomorrow when they beat West Ham. So, you know, unless something absolutely remarkable happens and, you know, even if it does, I'd still be a little bit sceptical about it because I don't really want David Moyes to succeed in anything ever again. But their form this season is just absolutely ridiculous. It's putting ours in the shade and this is one of our best ever seasons in terms of a start to a Premier League campaign. It's remarkable and... So all we can do now, looking forward to that game, is know that Pogba's not in it and we have to try and compensate as best as we can for that and Mourinho needs a plan for it. I'm pretty sure he'll be able to make something happen. It's whether or not we can execute it that I think is going to be the big key. Right, let's nip three days into the future and see how we managed against CSK in Moscow then. Rich, it's Tuesday evening and we've just beaten CSK Moscow 2-1 and that was actually quite fun for a uh, somewhat dead rubber Champions League group stage game. Yeah, it was once we scored. Well, I suppose it was fun, fun before we scored, but I've, I've got these awful memories of a number of me- meaningless Champions League games under Fergie where we needlessly lost at home for, for no reason that still scar me like Kluge and, <laughs> and Besiktas. Besiktas. Kluge particularly because they were just god awful and they'll always know they've won at Old Trafford but yeah United played pretty well I think the only criticism of the you know up until we scored was the fact that we had lots of chances and didn't score them and so it looked like it might be one of those nights when we did end up losing rather unjustly but quite annoyingly even though it had absolutely no bearing on anything so it was really nice to to get two really well taken goals really well created goals for players who needed a goal and to win the game to top the group Absolutely. I mean, that's it, it felt quite similar to what we'd seen at Basel a fortnight ago to a certain extent in that first half, in the sense that we had several chances, we were mostly on top, and then we lost our concentration and conceded a rather bad goal, really, not not, not too close to the stroke of half-time. You know, quite a couple of bits, you know, in the, in the com- composition of that goal. Luke Shaw just losing his man, Chris Smalling playing everyone on side, and what was it, Shigoyev uh, in an offside position, but Daily Blind being off the pitch counted as him playing him onside. But then UEFA didn't realise, UEFA nor the referees seemed to realise that it actually hit Jagoev and went in. So it was all a bit of a cluster, cluster effect, wasn't it? A cluster flip, indeed, yes. Not not the, I mean, it, a pretty rubbish goal to concede. Disappointing in particular for Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, have we not started off speaking about him? Yeah. In the lineup for the first time since April, I think it is, in terms of the starting lineup, at least anyway. Uh, a bit of a surprise to see him back in the picture. I mean, you know, he was tweeting and Instagramming pictures that sort of suggested he was excited about something about this evening, but I assumed it was going to be a place on the bench, to be honest. But yeah, I, I thought pound for pound, he had a really, really encouraging game. What do you reckon? I think we saw the two sides of, of Luke Shaw, really. I think I don't think we've ever had any concerns about him going forward. I think he's is a very effective attacking left wing back or left back mm. and we saw plenty in this game that you know the, the, the danger and the damage he can do if, on that left hand side if he's, if he's given the space and if he's really on it I think I think Mourinho will see that but will also focus on the goal and that is something we've seen before you know full back 101 is get really tight to your to, to the centre back when, when the ball's in that position to stop pass between the two and Smalling clearly screwed up 
be offside by not moving out quick enough. But between between Shaw and Blin, they should have stopped. They, they just never have allowed that slide pass. And it's happened a few times to Shaw, and I think that's that's Mourinho's issue with him in terms of what he does on the pitch. It's that we do seem to be vulnerable in that in that left back position defensively when he's when he's there or when he's been there when in the few occasions he's played in the last couple of years. I, I suspect Mourinho is just giving him a game to try and put him in the shot window and get someone to take him. Because I think ultimately, if he if he really thought that he was of great use to him, he'd have been using them in games where we were muddling by with Blind or Darmian or or whoever before before Ashley Young turned into Superman. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he, he had a good game going forward. I think I think Mourinho will, will probably focus on that defensive lapse, and I don't think it makes any difference anyway. Because I suspect he's he's going, he's leaving at some point anyway. Mm-hmm. But it was good to see him, and he, you know, he's clearly there's clearly a footballer in there, a really good footballer in there. It just needs somebody. He perhaps needs just needs to go somewhere else to, to under a different manager with different pressures and different a different regime to try and try and coax it out. Mm, I mean. Yes, I was thinking the same thing in terms of Mourinho focusing on the goal, but still plenty of good work going forward and some good work defensively before that. You know, a really great tackle. I think it was on Zhigoyev as well after Mata had uh, sold both him and Blind short with that pass within the penalty area. Yeah, Great challenge and the referee called it completely correctly, um, won the ball back. And, you know, a couple of really decent strikes. The closest he's probably come to scoring a goal in 50 United appearances. He's in his fourth season in the club and he's got 50 appearances. That's just not great numbers, to be honest. But still, I guess that's indicative of where he's been over the last couple of years. But, you know, it was as I said, it was nice to see him. A couple of other instances where, you know, a couple of other players had some really great evenings as well. You know, I'm really enjoying watching Victor Lindelof. And especially in a game like tonight, where we had plenty of the ball his ability on the ball when we do have the chance to dominate possession is really clear isn't it you know some great bursts forward you know clearly of higher quality than the ones that Chris Smalling was you know likened to do over the last few years and some really great passes he looked keen he looks a lot stronger and more solid I think we're seeing a lot more of why United shelled out that much money for him back in the summer which is great to see and, you know, a great game for Lukaku and Rashford as well, as you mentioned there, both getting on the score sheet. They've had a rather rocky time in front of goal of late. You know, what was that? Rashford's first goal in 10 and Lukaku's really struggled for goals over well, ever since the last two international breaks, I guess. You know, he got that one against Newcastle, which was needed, but that didn't necessarily seem to kickstart some confidence in front of goal again. But, you know, you look at Pogba playing tonight which made complete sense because you know he's going to be out of the next three league games so it's good to give him a game now thought Pogba played really damn well you know a couple of instances in the first half where he was you know, looking somewhat stroppy I guess is the best way of describing it losing the ball on a couple of occasions and things not quite going right and getting frustrated but just in that simple cross to I say simple just in that lovely cross to Lukaku to set us up for the equaliser a reminder of how much we're going to miss it at the weekend and a wonderful way to get Lukaku back in the goals, right? Yeah, you're right. We're, we're going to really miss that next weekend. And it's, it's something that we saw a lot um, between him and Ibrahimovic last season, that, that similar kind of pass. You know, it's, it's really a creation of a goal out in a position of not significant danger. And it was really impressive of, of Lukaku to not, not only get to it ahead of, the, ahead of the player, but also just to steer it back past, past the goalkeeper. Lukaku looked sharp all night, to be honest. He was really unlucky not to score the first half and he, he set up that really early chance for Rashford with a really sharp pass 
they both they both look really sharp, but they just we just couldn't seem to quite get that goal in the in the first half. You know, it was becoming frustrating, but that goal really clearly lifted us, and and from there you didn't really get the impression that we were going to do anything anything other than win the game. Yeah, a really lovely second goal, great one for Rashford. You know, Mata had a somewhat difficult, I say a somewhat difficult, I think he had a bit of a tricky game for large chunks of it, but I think especially in that sort of last half hour, 30, 40 minutes, he really did a great job of displaying why he is still valuable to this team. You know, you look at the way that he was using the ball, great touches, great turns, great passes, and just the instinct to deal with that bouncing, well, sorry, the, the aerial deflection, and take it under control and then just very, very quickly move the ball off to Rashford. And what was that? That was half volley, wasn't it? Straight into the bottom corner past yeah. Akinfeev. Yeah. Great goal. And, you know, United probably could have added to that. But deserved win, I'd say. You know, CSK barely had anything to offer in that second half. Another chance for... Grigoyev basically did mostly everything for CSKA tonight. So it's a very easy name to remember. And yeah, that's us topping the group. Uh, first time we've qualified for the knockout stages since... The David Moyes season, Richard. The David Moyes season. Good Incredible. Group. Yeah. Incredible. We've all been surprised by just how poor some of the other teams in the group have been generally. But it's the sort of group that, particularly in Fergie's latter years, we were making extremely heavy weather of. So to have won five games and relatively comfortably won the group is it, not something we should be sniffing at. I'm not sure how much winning the group helps us in terms of the draw in the next round because there there are some absolutely filthy filthy sides we can draw. So I don't think it matters in terms of ease of route from now on that we finish top, but I think it's a, a nice confidence boost for us and it, it would have been disappointing because I don't think any any of those three teams have really much to write home about. But it means, you know, it means we can just relax now in t- in terms of and focus on the Premier League really over the next few months until the Champions League starts again. And what, do you know when the draw is? When, when's the draw spent? Last I'm assuming it's going to be some point this week, right? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Hmm. So it'd be interesting to see see who we've got. And it, I mean, it will be really interesting to see how Mourinho approaches games against more capable opponents. You know, there's a very good chance we could draw, I think, Bayern have finished second. Yeah, so the teams that we could play for sure at the moment, yeah, we could be playing Bayern, we could be playing Roma, we could be, play, we could be playing Juve... Most likely going to play Sevilla out of Liverpool's group. Shakhtar, uh, Porto or, or Red Bull Leipzig, Real. I mean, it's not an easy set of teams in that group whatsoever. You know, we, we've done well to get out of the group. Five wins from six. That's great. Very happy about that. But the, arguably the hard work starts when we come back to the Champions League in the new year, right? And we'll see how things pan out from there. I think we set ourselves up nicely. Topping the group is what you want to do. And whilst admittedly because there's so many great teams that have finished second in their groups, it's not necessarily uh, given us much of an advantage. It's just nice to have gotten through that. As you said, we made heavy weather of these groups in the past and to have gotten through and to not, you know, we haven't hit the knockout stages of the Champions League in ages. So it's great to be in there and in with a shout. And, you know, you'd, you'd argue that basically you'd say our best performances in this competition are still ahead of us. You'd hope so anyway. Yeah, as, as I say, it will be really interesting to see how we how we approach someone lot stronger than we played so far you'd imagine that Mourinho will be be more careful and cautious but I think it's the first time perhaps perhaps even since before Fergie's last season or two you actually get the impression that we in in attacking terms at least we've got the talent to do some damage to a few decent teams now whether we can whether we can defend well enough to to actually get through two-legged ties against those sides I don't know but but we've certainly got 
an attack which is capable of scoring goals against almost anybody, if not anybody. Hmm. So I think we can go into that with relative confidence and just it's just a bit of intrigue isn't it because it will be interesting to see whether Mourinho is as brave as he was at the Emirates last Saturday or whether he he you know he takes the route which we took for much of the Europa League last season which was to just basically bore our way through <laughs> now it, you know if we get through it doesn't it, if we get through it doesn't matter but um it, you know it's just it's just something to look forward to and to be interested by yeah, for sure. You know, that's what 40 games at home unbeaten leads us nicely into the derby on Sunday afternoon with some real optimism. You know, Champions League knockout stages, good win over Arsenal, missing Pogba, but still with plenty to be hopeful of. We'll see how that hope actually manifests itself on Sunday afternoon, I guess, but we'll leave it there for tonight anyway. Thanks for joining me, Rich. Guys, don't forget you can get us all over Twitter. If you're not already, uh, you can get me at at Ewan Lanitz. You can get Rich at at RichardCan76. And you can get the pod at at Red Voices MUFC. We'll be back next week. You guys take care of yourselves. Thanks very much. Good night. Good night.